On this episode of the 8-Bit Files, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Entertainment System and sort of uh, our experiences with it uh, recently, in the past, and all good things Nintendo. All right, I'm Dave. And I'm John. So let's get into it. The 8-Bit Files with Dave and John. All right, John. So... Let's talk about the NES and, uh, you know, for me, this machine, it's one of the iconic uh, 8-bit game consoles of all time. A uh, lot of memories, uh, you know, a lot of uh, sort of weaved into the fabric of that, uh, that the era of the mid late 80s. So what is the first time you or what, what's your first memory of an, the NES? Uh, and w- when did you first get your hands on one or really become aware of it? Well, when I was in high school, um, right after high school, I got a job working at a video store. How's that for a flashback? Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually rented out uh, Nintendo Entertainment Systems. Uh, and um, back when you could rent cartridges at a video game store. Um, yep. And the other thing that we had, which I still think is really unique at this time, we actually had an arcade machine that was literally just an arcade cabinet with a TV inside and it had a Nintendo and entertainment yeah. system inside, but the, um, they had like the, the controllers were like on these little, uh, mm-hmm. mounts or whatever. So you couldn't like run off with them or anything like that. But, um, so you could actually, <laughs> it was so funny. Like we rented the cartridges, but you could also rent time on this arcade machine in the store that's awesome so it wasn't free to play it wasn't free to play in the store you actually sometimes it was sometimes it wasn't (laughs) certainly for the staff it was but um but basically you know because what would happen is people would come in um Mm -hmm. they'd bring their kids and their kids would run to the arcade machine and their parents are going to take an hour to figure out what movie to watch that night and so they would they could actually you know I, i forget how much it was it wasn't a lot of money it was probably like a dollar an hour or something right. crazy. Right. Um, Hilarious. And, and so they could pick a game uh, and yep. uh, and they could go and play that game on that system. Um, That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So um, so this, uh, was it a name brand video store that you worked at or was it like a mom and pop kind of a thing? Well, it, it, the, it was a chain, but it was a small chain. Uh, it. It, was, it was called Got West it. Coast Video. Uh, and I oh, think yeah, this, I've was, heard of it. I've heard th- of it. this was unique to our store. Got it. That you have. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really cool. So, so did you own, well, so this came out, the NES was released in North America in 1985 and then a wider release in early, early 86, apparently. Uh, did you ever own one of these things back in the day yourself? Not back in the day. No, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I did take them home often when we had the rental units. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Eventually, I did own one, and I had it as sort of on my shelf with all my other uh, consoles plugged into a switch box, plugged into my giant uh, nice. CRT TV. Nice. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't something that I um, I was overly nostalgic for. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly, the games I am, but the the specific console itself, no. Um, I because I didn't. For for me, it, it, I think it it gets nostalgic when I've had it since buying it new at retail. Right. And this one, I didn't, uh, this one had already been out for a little while when I came across it at the video store and it was certainly very popular at the time, but I also wasn't spending a lot of time playing video games other than when I was at work. 
which is mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of counterintuitive when you think about it. Hilarious. Well, I remember, um, so, so, you know, we, we know, we all know, um, my history with the Commodore 64 and that was, I, I, I didn't own a game console. I didn't have any other computer. The Commodore 64 was, well, it was actually the 128, but that's all I had. That was my only gaming device. Uh, and then I remember distinctly kn- knowing a bit about this, uh, about the NES, but didn't really have any hands-on experience playing with one. And, and then there's this kid on my street. Uh, I think this must have been early 86 would be my guess based on the release timeline. But he, he is a kid. We didn't really know. Like, it wasn't one of those kids whose house you would go in all the time. So he didn't really know. Like, he didn't really talk about his t- toys or his stuff or whatever. Like, we were like 14, whatever, back then. And so he, he I remember one day he invited me in my house. He told me, he said, I got a Nintendo, right? And I'm like, really? So <laughs> went in his house and he, I remember he had it like the Nintendo, the NES was like in a drawer, like picture, like a, like a dresser, right? Like, yeah. a, a, and then he had the NES unit in a drawer, sort of almost intentionally not like obvious. If you went in the room, you wouldn't know it was there. Um, he opened the drawer and there it was the Nintendo and a little CRT TV there. And uh, I remember he showed me Excite Bike. Oh, and- I love that game. Yeah, class, classic, right? One of the best-selling NES games of all time. And he showed me, he must have showed me Super Mario Brothers. I'm sure he did. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, what, you wouldn't not have <laughs> that 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 title. Well, but it I came remember, with it, right? So. Well, well, it did. Yeah, yeah, it did, depending, I think, on the set that you bought, right? So I, I think some systems came without a game. But yes, it was the packing game for, for almost everyone who would have bought this thing probably right. had that and, game. And it was also Duck Hunt as well. Yeah. Of course, that's right. And that's why those are the two two best selling games of all time for the NES, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, gee, yeah. fancy, fancy that, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so this kid, um, you know, was my first exposure, and and I, I think I, I kind of remember like being teased a little bit, like you know, these games are better than your Commodore games. They're better than your Commodore games. Well, buddy. I can actually copy and pirate every time. <laughs> I'd like to see you pirate this NES cartridge, right? I mean, I'm I'm just joking, but there was something, you know, obviously very, uh, you know, impressive uh, about uh, like it was graphically like comparing it to the Commodore 64 at that exact time. Of course, that's going to be my benchmark. I would say the sound was very similar. The, like the Commodore 64 sound certainly could keep up to the NES, maybe better in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NES itself would have had, you know, just a little more action, like more sprite support, you know, more colors. It was more vibrant. There's just a little bit more going on, maybe. Mm-hmm. And and the titles were very exciting, at least the titles that we knew about. I mean, they were super hyper, like marketed and, you know, popular titles. So so there's definitely like an appeal there. And like, I, I wish I knew, I wish I had there's certain gaps in my memory that I don't remember exactly what the timeline was. But um, I actually bought a, uh, a a Sega Master System, which is something we should also talk about a little bit. It's worth exploring at some point in future mm-hmm. episode. But a little bit, little I, bit later on than than this one, though. Yeah, the, well, the Sega Master System, it came out a little bit later on, but they they were head to head competitors. Like, yeah, and, and but I didn't like I didn't really, um, I so I ended up getting my head like per, buying an NES little bit late in the cycle because I would have been introduced to it in like 86. So maybe 88, I picked up an NES 
uh, myself. And, um, and I, I think that in my mind, it basically just completely replaced the Commodore 64 because the games were just, you know, the titles were just, as I said, better, more exciting. I mean, this is Nintendo. Um, and, uh, maybe the, the tap, uh, you know, the, the, the access that I had to the, the pipeline rather to comp to getting new Commodore 64 games <laughs> might have been turned down a little bit. I, I don't know because there was still yeah. a lot of good stuff coming out around then, but I didn't really like keep that thing. Like, I think I really stopped that you know collecting or acquiring new commodore 64 games in like 88 at the very very latest so mm -hmm. uh, so so the nes took my you know definitely got my uh got my interest at that time and i would say that um one of the barriers of course was the cost of the games i mean I, I just like you worked at the video rental store i mean that's what i would do on a friday night uh, in, you know, would have been grade 11 or grade 12, probably grade 11. I would actually go to the video store and rent a game or two, have a few friends over and we'd play the game. We'd have the game for a couple of nights. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was, that was what we did. Uh, well, in addition, a lot in, of fun. In addition to the arcade machine, our video store had a tiny little theater, like six seats, uh, like six little theater seats. And at the time, one of the bigger big screen TVs or rear projection screens, I guess it was. Um, and we, when the store would close, the staff would stick around and we would sit there and play Nintendo after hours. Right. Right. That's, uh, it was magical. That's all. No, that is, that is magical. Uh, I, I remember the game. So one of the games I rented, uh, cost. So the reason I remember how much the games were worth back then is because I rented a game. And I think I was late in returning it. And I like, I left it in like my buddy's car, like in my buddy's car and his car actually got broken into and of the game course. got stolen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you had to pay retail for it. I had to pay retail for this game. I think it was like green beret. It was one of those like military. You oh know, yeah. Yeah. I remember side to side yeah, platform. Yeah. They were very decent games in the day. I remember it was, 75 79 bucks in 1989 dollars yeah so so you know what what's that a couple hundred bucks or whatever it would be today at least which anyway i remember that stuck in my mind quite a bit and maybe that turned me off of the uh the nes platform at the time but the oh, other oh, story before oh, go ahead well, i was gonna say ironically that's pretty much what nintendo charges for a nintendo switch title now right right yes that's right right in that sweet spot yeah. Um, at eighty dollar ish, uh, sweet 60, spot, sixty to eighty. 60. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I think Tears of the Kingdom, the latest Zelda, uh, which I'm about to finish, uh, it was ninety is ninety dollars. Right, right. Canadian well, dollars. The, yeah, yeah. The uh, so the other memory I have in that era, you know, of course, it seems like this was like multiple years, but it was probably only just one year where all this happened. But <laughs> I remember uh, the when Super Mario Two came out. Like, I don't know if you would have been tied yourself, would have been super conscious or aware of, of these re releases, but it felt like a pretty big deal at the time uh, when Super Mario 2 came out. You remember, you can picture the artwork with Mario and the clouds in the background and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So yeah. so that game, uh, so, so moving on, I, I want to talk more about my Super Mario one, if you will, uh, memories in a second, but because they come after this. But um, I remember... It was a really big deal to get a hold of this game. I remember, 
you know, really uh, enjoying it, not having any idea that it was basically just a reskinned Japanese, basically it was a Japanese game. I think it's called Doki Doki Panic, I believe is the name of the game. Literally, Nintendo took the game and reskinned it and turned it into Mario. It it the the game itself really had nothing to do with Mario, um, the, the original game, and it's it's largely unchanged, um, other than just changing the graphics and branding it as a Mario game, which is kind of interesting to me. I had no clue, you know, that that would have been the case uh, at that time. But I remember I got the game, and, and we didn't. It, that didn't matter at the time. Anyway, this was the new Mario game. It was like the hottest thing, and I remember. <laughs> There was a girl that I worked with that I or and I was pretty good friends with and I liked her a lot. And uh so I lent her the game for like probably months and months and I never saw it because she just wanted <laughs> to play it over and over again. So so that just goes to show you where my priorities were at that particular time. But when I think of that game, I think about that fact that I, <laughs> I lent her that game. But does I she still it have it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say I should actually message her and find out she, if she she remembers that and if she still has it. She might still actually have the game. But I do think about that. But but I mean at that, like that that barrier, like that would have been the $80 game. I mean, like what were we making in our jobs back then? I I know I was making about between six and seven dollars an hour, something like that. So I was I was making six fifty an hour as the assistant manager of the video <laughs> store. <laughs> right. As the, right. So I was the I was a swing manager, I think I was called, at the local McDonald's where I grew up. There's yeah. one McDonald's there. And I was making more money than the salaried like real managers were because I was still going to school. I was getting paid hourly. I was making more money like per month than they were. And they were like full-time salary guys, right? <laughs> it's just kind of kind of hilarious. But um, but 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 still a lot of hours, right? You're still doing 10, 15 hours, you know, maybe more to buy a Nintendo game. <laughs> That's yeah. like half a week's pay, basically. Almost. <laughs> but uh, but no, those were those were the days. And then I I I guess I got rid of it um back uh I, like a couple of years later and i think i i've got vague memories but my parents bought me at like an xt like a like a dos like an ms dos pc for for college because i was in eventually started college and it would have been quite expensive proposition probably a couple of grand i would imagine to pick up a, a, a so i think i probably sold everything in order to, to to get to do the pc so i didn't have the nes for long but but then um when I moved out of my home, about a year or so later, I left home, moved to the big city. And my roommate, one of my roommates, um, Jamie, he actually had an NES. So we would find ourselves playing NES. Like pretty much we, we, we'd we spend our time going between the 7-Eleven with a super big gulp and a pack of smokes probably. And coming back to the old ghetto apartment and uh, played a lot of Super Mario. I don't think he had very many games. I think it being mostly about Super Mario Brothers actually back <laughs> back then but we played a lot of it and i really equate that game like to like i'm sure i mean it's not a hard game to finish at all but we probably wouldn't have known any of the shortcuts because we were idiots and uh, <laughs> we probably um took the long way through the game all the time and but i remember playing it for hours and hours and hours back then on a commodore 1702 monitor by the way that's what would have been uh, would have been the crt of choice but but i really equate playing the heck out of that game uh back then that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to. Th I've been trying to think what some of my favorites were, other than, of course, Zelda, um, mm -hmm. which, which you know, I, I was never a big platformer person. Like the Mario titles and stuff like that were fun for a little while for me, but I never played them all the way through or 
never even got close to finishing any of them, but stuff like Zelda was really sort of that, the, one of the few titles that really captivated me in that genre, which is not my normal genre at all. Yeah. um, So, but for me that, but again, I never had one. So whenever I did play it, Mm -hmm. it was very, I never got to play it long enough to really get very far. I was always at a friend's house or something like that, or maybe I rented it or borrowed it from, from work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's interesting because, because I know you mentioned to me in the past that the NES wasn't really like a machine that you were super connected to back when you were younger, but I know how connected you are to the the Zelda titles and some of the switch titles now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going to ask you sort of on an unrelated tangent between like like you were one of the early adopters of the switch too at least as far as i knew you you were you you were early on the switch bandwagon mm-hmm. were you ever close uh to any of the other any uh nintendo consoles like like other than the switch like mm-hmm. you, like the wii like the wii u or anything in between yeah no i had the wii uh, i didn't have the wii u i had the um i had a number of different variants of the handhelds uh, i didn't have a game boy or a game boy color but mm-hmm. I had a Game Boy Advance. I had a Game Boy um, DS. Uh, I think you had a DS. Did you not? Or three DS? No. I, well, I, I have a. I still have a three DS. It's actually right there on my thing, and it still works. And uh, it's plugged in, and I can see it blinking. Uh, it's on Wi-Fi. Yeah. My, my house Wi-Fi. Right. Um, the uh, no, my my favorite was the Game Boy SP, the the flip one, because um, it was so again pocketable and uh, and super handy and. Um, but I really liked the uh, the DS. I really liked the Game Boy Advance. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've I had a, a number of those over the years, and lots of cartridges, and then of course the the flash carts to hack them all. And uh, yeah, gotta hack them all. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. So uh, hey, hey, big surprise that you're a fan of the handhelds, um, right? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. we we all know by now that. John is a big fan of the handhelds, but did you, so anyway, I, 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 we could, we'll do an episode about the Wii, but we're going to have to tie it into 8-bit at some point. That is one <laughs> of my favorite uh, game consoles of all time. So before, um, well, first of all, um, let's not fool ourselves. Anybody listening to this podcast, they don't need a history lesson in the NES. Probably they don't necessarily need to know uh, about all the different models and things like that. But I was actually interested, like for me, I think about like the traditional VCR style model. That's the only model of yeah. the NES that I knew when I was yeah. a kid. Right? You, you, well, you blow the cartridge first and then you stick the cartridge into the slot and then you push it down, make sure you blow it. Um, so I didn't realize though. Well, well, actually, I did know that um, in Jap- the the NES was, of course, released as the Famicom in Japan right. in 1980. But in, what I didn't realize is 1983 when it was released, which is actually quite early if you think about the fact that it didn't show up in North America for two, two over two uh, years. Yeah. Uh, after that, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and actually, uh, I saw a Famicom for sale on the local marketplace recently at a pretty reasonable price. But but there's a whole rabbit hole that I just don't need to go down right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too, though, is um, you mentioned they it had been around for a couple of years before the North American version came out, and you can tell because they have a lot of extra peripherals that never made it to the North American yeah. market. Like they actually yeah. had disc drives for it. Yeah, and, disc, and, the disc reader. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and other kinds of sort of add-ons for it. And I I remember um, 
oh, geez, I can't remember when, but I remember stumbling across um, a, a little sort of interface device that allowed you to plug um, a, uh, a North American Nintendo cartridge into a Famicom. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was an adapter, like yep. an intermediary, interme- intermediary cartridge, I guess, if you will. So that, because <clears throat> I think, um, if I recall, those uh, original titles were region locked. Like right. they would, they wouldn't work yes. in different yeah. in, in different uh, countries and stuff like that. So th- apparently, this <clears throat> this thing that I found at like a flea market, uh, yeah. and I had it for years, and and yep. uh, I got rid of it at some point uh, as part of a like a big deal trade for somebody else. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> but it uh, it would allow you to to plug in a North American cartridge into a Famicom or vice versa. I can't right. remember which yeah, direction yeah, yeah. it went, but it was this really big cool. clunky, uh, you know, a, a adaptery thing. Mm-hmm. Not that, that that's interesting. I mean, that just goes to show you how times, you know, obviously have changed over the years. Like where the market, you'd see a, a console released in another country, and two to wouldn't come to the U.S. for two two you know over two years, which is just kind of kind of interesting. But uh, what I didn't know is that there was a, a, a top loading model of the NES released mm-hmm. in October of '93, which Obviously, the Super NES had been out for, I, th- I think it came out in 92, but don't quote me on that, but it had been out for a while, right? Maybe it's it 91, but it was either 91 or 92 when the SNES came out. And unbelievable to me that, so I, I saw a photo of this when I was sort of preparing for this uh, this episode. It, it They kind of made it look a little bit like the Super NES, like this top loading model. I've never seen this. It looks bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's to me, it, it's, it's, it's definitely different and, and certainly not uh, something you see very commonly when, cause typically mm-hmm. you see the little gray box everywhere. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause but, the vast majority of these things were obviously sold like in that era, like before the super NES. <laughs> but it's interesting though, the, um, Nintendo and Atari both are very, um, similar in the sense that they would tend to repackage their older technology as something new, uh, you know, smaller, mm-hmm. lighter, maybe some extra right. bell and whistle, but still compatible with that genre, right? Because like mm-hmm. the Atari twenty six hundred, for example, uh, I don't know what the total variations there are of them, but there's, right. it seems like there's, there's a lot, right? Yeah, like there's lots. Yeah, the, the different number of switches, the the junior, yeah. and then there's the, the add on for the ColecoVision, like all, all these yeah. other things. That's true. And then then the NES had a couple iterations, and then you know the Wii had multiple iterations. Yeah, the Switch true. has had multiple iterations, and it's basically still the same. Yeah, basic system. It's just it, it, it. It's interesting though that they released you know this variant of the NES like well after the Super NES was 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 you know released. It's kind of interesting to me, right? Maybe they were just trying to streamline their uh, production processes and. Uh, yeah. The, the other thing too is I'm sure that the NES was still selling really well for them yeah. to continue to do that. Must have been. Must have been. This this is kind of interesting. I, I've never seen one before. I I'm 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 shocked about that. But uh, maybe I just haven't been looking hard enough. So that's my <laughs> that's my problem. Now you're going to see um, them on all the auction sites now. Yeah, I'm going to see that. You know what? I've probably seen them. I just didn't know what the heck this thing was. That was the problem. So right, that's probably what it was. So and apparently in. Uh, 93 there was also a redesigned version of the famicom released mm-hmm. um that uh had improved video outputs was compatible with different accessories as the original famicom 
but uh, who knows what that thing looks like too. I mean, those Japanese guys can be pretty crazy with their designs, but I got to say like the original Famicom, it's very appealing looking like with the red. And I think it's got the gold and the red, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, very attractive looking uh, machine. And, but I guess they had to dumb it down for the North American market, right? Like <laughs> to, to give us just a gray box with a slot in it, which is what they what they. Well, I, but I also wonder too if it was again just the scaling up of the uh, the market, right? Mm -hmm. Selling millions of units uh, uh, yes. to, to North America, they probably had yeah. to streamline a few things and and also cut some costs to make it affordable. Indeed. No, 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 no question about that. We, we could probably do a whole episode on nothing but the cost of all these different consoles and computers that we've been talking about and, and how much they are relative to today's dollars. Cause yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. how similar, but not, uh, or, or how, um, how these things have kept pace, uh, as far as yeah. the pricing goes. Yeah, no, it is very, very interesting. And, uh, and the secondary markets as, as well. Yep. So now let's talk maybe a little bit about, hardware add-ons and accessories for the nes so i didn't have a whole lot my lifetime with the nes didn't last that long when i was a kid it was only like i said maybe a year maybe a couple of years but uh i bought the uh, i think it was called the action set which was right. the, the, the kit that had the zapper the two controllers and it had the mario duck hunt uh combo cartridge yeah and I, I i seem to remember that being very popular i i've also seen like that there was a set that just has two controllers and the and the unit and and no games uh it was also fairly fairly common as well but it was the action set that i had when i was a kid so that included the zapper and it included the light gun uh for duck hunt and i don't know how many other games it supports but yeah uh, i recently acquired not well i'll tell the story in a little bit but i recently reacquired an nes for the first time and you know 30 whatever years that it's been and it included a zapper and i really enjoyed playing duck hunt uh, on my crt it was actually really fun to fire <laughs> the thing up um and so that was a very common accessory just primarily because it came with all these uh you know came with uh, uh the action set that a lot of people had and i i have to say i have zero hands-on experience with any of the other you know more popular accessories that i know about but that famicom disk system is very interesting to me i mean back in the day the famicom system used uh, uh the add-on used proprietary floppies instead of cartridges so you could get uh, expanded memory different capabilities and uh, apparently let the the original zelda game was initially released on that floppy disk before being ported to cartridge which is kind of interesting and and i don't know if you would have any recollection of this but I remember back in probably like 1990 or in the early 90s, I remember calling BBSs uh, a lot back then because that was that was our source of like, you know, the, uh, you know, software backups, right, that we yeah. wanted to use on our computers. At least it was one of the sources. And I remember yeah. calling this really elite BBS like I like like I you know had to know a guy in a special handshake to like get like access to this BBS. And I remember seeing like uh like nes games available for download um and i couldn't figure out for the life of me how that would work because in my you know naive naivety in that time i had no idea that this famicom disk system existed i, mm -hmm. I only thought of the nes as being something that took cartridges right like right. you wouldn't think about it as being like 
you know, anything else. So there's no disk drive. Is there a disk drive? Like there's no disk drive. So my, my guess uh, is that the software, like are these downloading an NES game, you would use that to interview, you'd use a Famicom disk system. I would imagine, I don't know how else at that time you would have actually, no one's going to be writing their own uh, cartridges or burning their own, you know, cartridge ROMs or whatever the case may be back then. If they were, they were, they, they had some very probably expensive hardware at the time to, to do that. And exactly uh, the cost of that hardware would probably far exceed the cost of just buying the cartridges. No, exactly. And, and because, I mean, it wasn't just two or three nerds that were calling these BBSs. They were, you know, these were pretty, these were intended to be downloaded by a lot of people. So I imagine the Famicom, the disc system must've been the way, I mean, it must've been the way it's my guess, but if any Uh of our listeners have any memory of that, I, cause I always wondered back then, like how the heck could I, yeah, I'd like to download an NES game, but how am I going to play it basically (laughs) back, back then? Um, in terms of other accessories, I mean, this isn't a comprehensive thing, but I, I know one accessory that the commercials looked really good for it was the power glove. I don't know if you remember the power glove. I do remember the power glove. I think and we you actually probably have rented, one. <laughs> I don't have one, but I think we rented one at uh, the mm. video store. Yeah. Interesting. Well, a wearable glove. Um, it was a wearable glove that had, uh, that translated, tried anyway, to translate hand movements into game controls. <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently, well, we know it wasn't widely adopted and limited game capability, but I'm saying those commercials were probably, I mean, like kudos to them for trying like to, 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 to do something like that. I mean, that that's pretty innovative stuff back in, you know, 1989. So, Well, I think it's safe to say that Nintendo is one of those companies that has always had mm-hmm. innovative control or input mechanisms right yeah. through to the switch right like 100 always trying to come up with some way to get you to get off your ass off the couch and right. jump yeah. around and do something uh yeah. beyond just uh just hitting the 100%. d-pad and the well, a b buttons well i remember like you're gonna find this funny because uh for those uh who don't know john and i at one time in our lives worked together uh, in the same office and i remember where i was sitting when i we saw prototypes. I don't know if you were there in the room or who was there, but I remember, of course, we're supposed to be working, right? That's one thing. But <laughs> but I remember learning about the Wii Mote prototypes. Like basically yes. it was like, this is what the new Nintendo console controller is going to look like. Yeah. And I remember looking at it thinking, what is that thing? Like that looks like we were, I you know, didn't know what to think of this thing, right? Like, and and lo and behold, it turns into be, you know, one of the most, well, in my opinion, I, I I think I would call it the best game console ever made. It's 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 up there for me in terms of w- what they did with that thing. But I mean, I, the fact that you know my mom, um, you know, um, back in the day, right, actually in the room where I'm sitting right now, which used to be a lot different than it is now, would play played Wii bowling with my Wii, right? Like, yep. and enjoy yep. video games. One of the few times, like wherever some of them play a video game in her life, but she loved it and she picked up on it. Anyway, th- this is a story that's been told a million times, but, but you're so right. Like they're, they're completely innovative uh, and they, and it continues to this day. Yeah. Even, even in their handhelds, they, they found ways of incorporating all kinds of weird input mm-hmm. mechanisms. Like I remember um, one of the Zelda games, uh, 
I can't remember if it was the DS or the Advance. I can't remember the exactly, but you had to blow on the microphone to do something. Like you were, I think it was Wind right. Waker actually, right. Um, right. or not Wind Waker because it would have been on a on a handheld. But there was there's one of the games, one of the Zelda titles. There was a puzzle you had to solve it by blowing on the console itself, like a wind controlled. I mean, it was just audio, but um, still, again, a really creative use that's not just button mashing and you know that's i think that's why mm. i i i, yep. I mean I, I wasn't there at the beginning but i'm certainly all on team nintendo now because i mean yeah uh i still yeah. love like love to death the gamecube and the wii yes. and and yeah. especially the nice. switch so nice 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 no i'm i'm, I'm in the same boat uh, in the same boat as you so let's maybe talk a little bit about some of the more modern add-ons for the NES. And I should actually, maybe I can insert in here, uh, you know this already, but I recently acquired my first NES since like 1989 or 1990 or however long that's been. So it's been a good number of years. Uh, I picked it up um, amazingly on uh, Craigslist. Believe it or not, Craigslist is still running. You may not have <laughs> known that, John. It still uh, looks but, like it's from 1989. <laughs> Hundred percent, and and you also know that you know there aren't going to be as many people like contending for things on Craigslist too, because I think the audience is much smaller. At least that's how it feels to me. But I picked up, uh, as I mentioned earlier, what's the equivalent of the action set, the NES. Um, this thing was, you know, of course it got handed to me like in an old cardboard box. Um, it had the NES. Uh, two controllers, the game or the the gun, and uh, I think three or four, five game titles or something like that. And I knew, I mean, assuming this thing works, that you know the price I paid for it, including the games, was 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 quite reasonable. Of course, the main question you ask someone when you go to pick something like this up is, does it work? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like does it work? So, so it actually was a little bit, you know, it hadn't been like cleaned in a while like at least like on the surface like the case itself was a little dirty um who knows the last time this thing had been fired up but the guy assured me that it worked and then while i was driving home uh he sent me by email a backstory about he said you might be interested to know that uh this uh, about the history of this um so the original owner was like his like stepsister or something like that who has a fairly rich imdb profile who's been a fairly reasonable actor um, who has a lot of movie and TV credits to her name. <laughs> I can't remember her name now, of course, but he, he really wanted to share that story with me. So I thought that's kind of, it's kind of a neat story, right? Oh, um, she's not very clean though. Yeah, exactly. Well, I assume this thing is sat in the guy's basement for like, you know, 25 years. Um, but yeah. She smokes and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I thought it was kind of neat. I, I, I appreciated that. So I, I took this thing home. I plugged it in. Um, I, I put in a cartridge. So it included like a Mario cartridge or whatever, the Mario Duck Hunt combo cartridge. So I plugged it in and I got the gray screen. I got a gray screen basically right, right away. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so this guy... You know, he did give me the backstory about his, you know, re, you know, his proud, you know, sister-in-law or stepsister or whatever, which is kind of cool. But he sold me a lemon. Are you kidding me? So I thought, you know what? 
There's no way the guy would make, he says, you know where I live. If it doesn't work, you just bring it back. And I believe the guy was pretty genuine, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, you don't give up on retro that easy, right? You and I, no. both know this ain't our first rodeo. So yeah. I just, so I, I kind of figured that it, I, I know that one of the biggest failures on these old things, uh, these old consoles is the 72 pin connector, right? Where the car, the, the cartridge slots into. Yeah. And and, 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 you know, the old, <laughs> well, urban myth, I don't know if it's an urban myth about blowing on the cartridge, right? It, it, but, it is an urban myth. People, well, people said it's actually worse if you blow on it sometimes. But... <laughs> well, there, there you go. But yeah. in this case, opening up the, the uh, opening up the device and blowing out some, blowing it out and tightening things up a little bit. I didn't have that problem so much after that. So the 72 yeah. pin connector was, uh, was intact and the pins looked good. I mean, everybody says like a lot of these problems are caused by that, but it was just yeah. a matter of opening things up. And there was a fair amount of crap inside that that I cleaned up. And basically, I haven't had that problem at all. Since, well, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, when you think about cartridge design, because mm-hmm. the, the 2600 uh, was one of the first cartridge systems. It wasn't the first, but it was one of the first. Yep. And yep. it has this really kind of clever little gating yep. system that it does that springs open when it's yeah. basically when when both sides are depressed at the same time and then the 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 plastic cover flips up so that it can actually slide into the cartridge slot and it it's it still puzzles puzzles me that the um the 2600 had this feature of all the things to spend time in your design process mm-hmm. they thought mm-hmm. that was important because yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, the cartridge slot itself is the one thing that's exposed all the time because yes. it's it's on the top of the device or sort of angled. Um, maybe they thought the angle would be enough to sort of uh, deflect or um, l- less dust would settle there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> whereas yeah. the the Nintendo has like a like a, a garage door <laughs> over, right. over the port, um, and so their but their cartridges are typically what's sitting out on your shelf and and yeah. God God knows what is being. Uh, mm-hmm deposited on it when it's there and that's right that's we, right we've all heard the stories or seen the memes of kids putting like a peter brunner and jam sandwich into the nintendo and <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff so i was kind of surprised that you know of all the innovations the 2600 had nobody really copied that kind of yeah. mechanism but maybe it was a more expensive part of the the cartridge itself um right. from a manufacturing standpoint i i think maybe the commodore or the or the, the coleco vision uh and yeah, the ClicoVision might have had something similar on yeah, the cartridges, yeah. but um, yeah, but for the most part, like all the eight bits and stuff, that, there's no door. It, right. the, the, the the pins are exposed like the like the Nintendo uh, yes. card is. So it's 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 just little weird observations about, and and maybe maybe who knows maybe uh, Atari has a patent on that. that right. That right hinge design. Well, I'll I'll tell you though I was you know, relieved when I realized I didn't need to replace the 72 pin connector and then I might <laughs> clean things up, tighten things up a little bit, sort of take it apart. Um, yeah, just clean it up. Um, all of a sudden, uh, my cartridges are loading properly and the games are starting properly. There's one cartridge out of the stack of them that I've got that, uh, was showing corrupt characters on the screen, uh, consistently. I believe that's the cartridge itself. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, long story short is I can, play super mario on original hardware on a crt and it makes me extremely happy i can yeah. tell you that uh, one little thing is that uh 
and this goes beyond my technical chops. Uh, so there, there were some interference or like some like patterns on the screen, like waves, like, yeah. like on the CRT and, and looking in doing some research on that, it's likely, uh, the capacitors, um, need to be replaced. Yes. Uh, that's that's, a, that's a common, a common issue on pretty much all of this old hardware, anything, right? Yeah, that's right. So, so I don't have the technical chops to replace, uh, capacitors, uh, so the the not the 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 non-solution solution is to buy a DC uh, power adapter um, instead of AC, and, and then you no longer get that effect, um, and it works just fine and it's safe. Um, but it doesn't solve the problem of the real problem is that the capacitors likely should be replaced uh, at some yeah. point. So I got to find someone. Like that's a job that I'd want to leave to an expert, but I mean, I don't know if it's like a ticking, I don't think it's a ticking time bomb um, by any stretch of the imagination. No, it'll just stop working. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, at the end of the day, I'll, I will get it done. I have a couple little products, but it, in the meantime, with my DC power adapter, it looks beautiful <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it plays nice. But one thing, so now this sends you down the rabbit hole. I have a bunch of cartridges, a handful of cartridges, but I want, like, I need a multi-cart of some kind, right? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. the, you know the deal. Yeah. And so there's a couple of options, but none of them are, I like very much. <laughs> the um, So there is something called an EverDrive, yeah. um, which is a flash cartridge that allows you to play, you know, all the ROMs on an SD card. And, and it's, I think it's pretty much considered to be like the, the, the like the, the be all end all uh, option. But I'm telling you, man, they're freaking expensive and almost impossible to find, basically. Like they're available from what I can tell, very few sources. And you're looking at like a hundred to two hundred bucks in mm -hmm. that range, something like that, yeah. which is to me, I, I think I'd rather collect a few cartridges <laughs> fork out that kind of money. Well, um, well the, the good thing is is that the cartridges are probably on the easier side to find. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. they, yep. they made they just made so many of them. I mean, if there's a specific game that you're trying to track down, that might be trickier. But um, yeah, you know, it's not like you don't have yeah. 18 other ways to, of getting that game <laughs> fixed. But you're just not going to get it on the original. Part of, it. Oh, of course, that's right. But you know how it is. You, yeah, you, 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 you know, you know how it feels, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I want, I want, a, I, I, I need a multi card. I want to, I want every game. I want every game. So. Yeah. There is another multi-cart solution or similar, I, th I think it's the power pack, something like that, um, which is similar to the EverDrive, uh, but pretty much like uh, impossible, uh, again, to find uh, no sources I could find. So so then you go to, uh, so there's a guy in Marketplace who, and actually this guy's a shifty guy, might have talked, well, I don't know if he's shifty, but his marketplace <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of tactics are interesting. He doesn't live here. He lives somewhere in like Eastern Canada, but he oh, posts yes. to yeah. all, I think I told you about this guy, right? He yeah. posts all these local like like marketplace, you're, he has identities that say I'm from Vancouver, I'm from whatever. Yeah, um, where he's posting all these retro, like refurbished. He has a lot of refurbished SNESs, NESs. Like, actually, I believe that the stuff he's selling is quality. I don't believe, but I think that he's portraying that he's a local guy when he's not. Which I, I, I'm amazed that he manages to get around the terms and conditions. Anyway, long story short, is he's got a a multi cart for the NES, which he just he what bugs me is that he calls it an EverDrive in his description, but right. it's not a true EverDrive. It's basically a multi-cart with like 800 ROMs on the cart. And yeah. these things, from what I can tell, it's the same thing that you can buy from AliExpress for like 20 bucks or 
even cheaper than that. I'm so, just I'm just looking on AliExpress right now, and because I, I remember yeah. seeing one that was really, it was confusing in the description because it's yeah. Yeah. it says, um, it, well, I just found the Mega Collection. It's in this beautiful translucent green yeah. uh, case, and it's twenty nine dollars with free shipping, and right. it's three hundred ninety five right. in one for the Nintendo uh, right. console. So but there's there's other ones that are like the Intellivision flashback, but it's literally just the flashback game for the NES <laughs> on a cartridge. Right. So I've been like burned once by a um, AliExpress purchase. I bought a knockoff NES mini clone, mm -hmm. but I think this was before the real NES mini actually existed. So, right. I, so it was, you know, prior to that, but it was inexpensive and it's, you know, it's like, 601 or whatever you know like all these games it didn't i so i got it i was so excited right it actually didn't even include a super mario brothers game it had a bunch of hacks <laughs> of super mario brothers but yeah. not the act i was sh like i was so upset i i basically threw the thing in the garbage i i, I couldn't even look at it because it was useless yeah. right but that, so i'm yeah. skeptical i'm like if i'm ordering that's why i'm a bit skeptical to order one of these multi-carts from aliexpress because you don't really know what the contents are going to be like that's my no my although opinion. to be fair i've noticed that aliexpress is one of the safer places to buy from lately because mm -hmm. they have a pretty good uh, buyer protection system in place now where when you get shipped the item um, they set a timer, uh, and they yep. actually don't even pay the seller until you confirm receipt of it. Yep. So when you okay. get it, you okay. try it. And if it's not good, then you just basically return it. And then oh. they had, they still haven't paid the the seller. Right. Cause that's how AliExpress works. They're like a, the middleman for all these, right. these factories in China. Well, that's, that's a bit of, you know, that's good to know actually. And I'll, I'm probably going to bite the bullet and, uh, and, and order one of these things and then wait, like take my mail every day for three weeks until it arrives. <laughs> so that'll be, but bottom line though, is uh, honestly, uh, there's something about the feel of the original NES controller holding it in your hands and the, mm -hmm. these controllers that I have are in great shape and the response time is good. And it, it, yeah. it definitely brings back all the feels and I'm really happy to have, uh, to have it uh, in the collection. Um, that's uh, that's for darn sure. It's a uh, so I, a I have two day. stories about the controller itself. Yeah, yeah. One is that um, uh, fairly recently um, on the Nintendo Switch platform, Nintendo makes if you have the online subscription, you actually have access to a pretty huge back catalog of the NES. And for a little while, they started selling official Nintendo Entertainment System controllers. Controllers, that, yeah. That are Bluetooth, right. wireless and, ones, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, which are they're fantastic. I mean, it's the same build quality as Nintendo's always had. Yep. Um, yep. But what I did a while ago, probably 10 years ago, or whenever the Raspberry Pi Zero first came out, I can't remember when yep. it came out. But anyways, someone posted some um, a tutorial online on how to take one of those original um, controllers, and I just yep. happened to have one uh, in, in my box of controllers um, <clears throat> that was... Uh, the the cord was quite messed up. Like mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think it was even usable anymore as a cord because I think either my cat got at it or something like that. But the 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 main part of the controller was still fine, the D pads and everything like that. But essentially what you would do is you would just open it up and yeah. you would instead of um there's like a little uh sort of breakout of wires that are then going into that 
black cable that gets plugged yep. into the front of the console. Well, you cut those off and you solder them onto a Raspberry Pi Zero. Oh. And then essentially inside the inside the controller is a Raspberry Pi and oh. it's running uh, the, basically a stripped down version of an NES emulator. So <laughs> I have this little tiny uh, controller that uh, has a Raspberry Pi inside it. Like, because the Raspberry nice. Pi Zero is like, the size of a stick of gum and yep. um and it's inside it and then there's just a an h uh like a, a micro hdmi yep. out on yep. on and, yep. and a power out that's, on, okay on that's back. wicked you didn't I'll, show I'll, me that i'll have to i'll have to find it but uh, yeah. i still have it um and it still works me so that's wicked that's that's fantastic yeah i saw those uh well I'm now, I mean, I've been in Nintendo jail. I can't turn on my Switch. Um, we're not going to get into that story. But Another time. back when my Switch was like, you know, and, and I didn't do anything, uh, at least, well, my whole point is that I didn't do anything intentionally wrong. Um, but um, I saw what those controllers when they, and they were actually highly sought after, those controllers, um, those those Switch wireless, those Bluetooth controllers. Yeah. They would they would sell out really fast. I think there's an N64 one that recently there is, yeah, as well. Yeah, and I think they is, have a Super Nintendo version as well. Yeah, that's very appealing, actually. I mean, those would be nice pieces to have, mm -hmm. um, regardless, because um, the Mister um, FPGA, which we talked about in a recent episode, the N64 core is becoming much uh, much closer to reality. It's uh, more and more games are starting to run. And I think that controller is probably going to be one of the more appealing controllers to have for, for, mm -hmm. for, that, for that for that box. So anyway, that's a whole other story. Just finally to wrap up, um, I just because uh, we should uh, we should move on to to other things. But uh, just to talk a few, uh, about a few of the more popular games, I guess we've talked about. I mean, when you think of the NES um, and, and you just sit back and close your eyes, like what are the first games that you think of? I think we've covered this a little bit, but let's just sort of recap. So, so there's like, you know, a million Mario games, legitimate or otherwise. <laughs> there's uh, a, a couple of uh, Zelda games, Legend of Zelda. Um, and then the... Um, uh, I think for me, things like Mario Kart and mm -hmm. um, um, I'm trying to think what there is a couple other ones that are kind of like my go-tos when I when I when I fire up a it, it, especially if it's just an emulator. Um, yeah, uh, what I would consider to be sort of my go-tos, but a lot of the Mario branded games, even yeah. though they're not the platformer, like Mario yeah. Golf, Mario Tennis, all sure. those things, they all kind of started on the NES. Yeah. And um, for me, those are the ones that. Definitely the Zelda games have a special place in my heart, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, when I, when I think of Zelda, I, I think, of, uh, I know like you come to mind right away because I know how much you've enjoyed those games over the years. I, one game I haven't mentioned uh, very much is Tetris. Uh, right. That's the game. Like I, I yeah. like my first exposure to Tetris was probably on the NES. I remember going to, you know, one of our, like uh, one of our kids who was one of the first kids to move out of their house, like after high school had his own like basement suite or whatever. And he had Nintendo. So I remember just going to his house and just playing Tetris and that music, it was fun. I mean, it's still yeah. one of my favorite games of all time, but the Nintendo version, the NES version of that game is arguably one of the most iconic of all time, I think. And very, opinion. very, um, very similar to the arcade version. Yes, um, that's right. That's did right. You, have you caught yeah. the, uh, the 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 movie about Tetris that no, I, I haven't I've heard about it I have not watched it but it's, yes it's actually it really it? it's really yeah. good especially yeah. 
because they do a really good job of sort of covering that era, but mm-hmm. then also covering all of the, I mean, I don't know exactly how much of it has been dramatized and, and yeah. it sounds like some of it was, but it's still based on a thread of truth. Um, yeah. But uh, just the, how they got uh, the rights to put, um, uh, yeah. how, how they put Tetris on or as a pack in with the Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and so if if nothing else, watching that, that movie is really fun to see them with all the original hardware there and uh, back and forth. So you got me sold on that. So, yeah. So, but but I think about Tetris, I think about, um, it's funny. I think about my friend Sonny there in with, in, with his Nintendo stuffed in his drawer, um, playing (laughs) excite bike, even though I haven't played that game very much. I think about that game. Uh, and of course, the Mario titles, um, one and two in particular, I never played three. I mean, that's considered to be like the best game ever on the system by a lot of people. I, that's Mario probably when I played the most. Yeah. Is that right? Is that yeah. right? Okay. Well, that's, that's a game that I'd like to, I mean, I like the simplicity of Super Mario Brothers, like the original. There's something about the simplicity of it because my brain, I mean, I can only handle so many things at once, but the, <laughs> I, I would like to get into Mario Brothers three. I have the original cartridge now. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I own Right. So there you go. Uh, another game, just to wrap up, that a lot of people like is uh, Tetris or sorry, not Tetris, the golf, the, the Nintendo branded golf game yeah. is apparently like one of the more beloved games on the platform, which uh, I have never actually played. So I wouldn't mind actually checking that one out, too. But I, I don't remember it at all. Um Amazing though, the, the the sales figures. I mean, I guess this shouldn't really surprise us that much. But um, Super Mario, the original, forty million units. Um, Duck Hunt, about thirty million. So that means about ten million units got sold without the combo cartridge, or or, or ten million or ten million bought uh, Super Mario without the combo cartridge. <laughs> um, Mario Three sold almost twenty million units. Tetris was 8 million. That's a, you know, that's less than I might have guessed maybe, I don't know, for Tetris, but Mario Brothers 2 sold less than Tetris, which is kind of interesting as well. Uh, and then Zelda comes in after uh, Mario 2, 6 and a half million. So really uh, that 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 seems low to me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, who I'm not But yeah, but, well, but maybe that's also just uh the uh uh, the North American or the U.S. sales numbers. Yeah, um, it's quite it's quite po- it's quite possible. Yeah, um, Doctor Mario, which is a game that I have no interest in whatsoever, is, is like right next on the list at about five million units, and I've got three of them right here. So it, it's funny <laughs> though that was the game that the people wanted to play the most on the arcade machine that we had uh, in the video store. Okay. Doctor Mario, because I think at the timing was around the time where. People are a little bit over Tetris, but they wanted something yeah. different and right. similarish. Different. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it was released. That makes sense because it was released in mid nineteen ninety. Um, um, so we had a good year or so with Tetris before that. So maybe trying to trying to capitalize on that, uh, I would think for sure. So, yeah. Well, now I'm going to go uh, fire me up. Well. I have a limited number of games I can play on my NES, right? Because I don't have that Chinese multi-cart yet. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna play play. Uh, maybe I'll go and finish Super Mario. That's what I'll try and do. So that's that's a lofty goal. Uh, <laughs> I, I just while we were talking, I just saw there's this um, latest 2023 dual games of NES, 852 in one. 
<laughs> right. It, it's got a special uh, yeah. uh, 1024 <laughs> megabit flash chip in use. <laughs> that right. <laughs> uh these guys these guys it wouldn't be cheap to hire someone who could do a proper translation like, <laughs> like there's got to be some guys that would love I would I would love to do that job quite honestly. I'd do it cheap. Like yeah. I I could be hired very inexpensively to help them with some of these uh yeah, awesome <laughs> sort of descriptions. That's so good. That's so good. Well, on that note, John, um, how about we uh, wrap up the episode by talking a little bit about our recent uh, uh, auction finds, retro auction pickups. We've had a, a bit of success in the last couple of weeks. So well, why don't you start us off? Yeah, there, there's a, a local auction firm that does a pretty good job of sourcing uh, or it has been a good source for a lot of stuff. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Atari stuff on there until recently though. And um, I, I kind of got a little um, wrapped up in auction fever, if you will. <laughs> and I ended up buying um, three Atari 8-bit computers. Uh, <laughs> one, which I, I knew that you were interested in. At one point, we think we were actually bidding against each other until we realized our usernames. Uh, and then we, we backed off and and then ultimately I I won it for you and um uh so we got got you an inbox 800 XL uh, mm-hmm. very nice and clean and uh it came with uh you know the styrofoam and everything uh, yes and uh impressive and then I got um two other 800 XLs mm-hmm. and a 130 XE and uh the 130 XE is going to a buddy and I've got the two 800 XLs uh, I already have two 130XEs and I have two 800XLs. So now I have four 800XLs. I'm pretty good on the hardware department now, I think. Um, so uh, I might even get rid of one of the 800XLs, mm-hmm. but one of them fails all the the self-diagnostic tests. So, um, right. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting though, because they have this particular auction house. Um, they have a... Um, a general auction that's weekly and then once a month i guess they have like a video game specific auction and the video game auction contains everything from a playstation 5 and you know xbox and all that kind of stuff right back to 2600s uh at another auction recently i also got a, a six switcher uh 2600 and um hmm. uh, a couple of controllers and um just a um, I got a really good deal on an inbox star Raiders with the video touchpad and the manual and everything like that. Although I was a little disappointed nice. that the pack in comic book that is on the front of the box was not oh. in the box. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. But you know, there's a PDF. You can, you can reproduce that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, I just wanted it for the, uh, the, the touchpad controller, just so I have a complete right. set of all all the original hardware. And I think I also got a couple pairs of uh, paddles in, in the mix as well. And I, again, you know, pretty reasonable prices. Um, in the same auction though, I also sold a few of my things. One of the things that um, you and I have talked about a, a, a bit is um, sort of paring down our collections. And I sort of, like a, well, I am a hoarder of all things retro tech. And um, so I, I started getting rid of some of the things that I, aren't as important to me or weren't as sentimental uh you know basically i decided to keep anything vectrex and anything atari and and sort of get rid of everything else and so i actually sold off a turbo graphics 16 that i had which was another one of the um 
the consoles that we had at the video game or the art, the video store that we rented out. And it was my first nice. exposure to it. And we played a lot of that on the big screen TV theater setup that I mentioned earlier. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> so I sold that and I actually did really well on that considering I probably paid 20 bucks for it. I think I got 110 <laughs> bucks for it. Um, but I mean, 20 bucks for it is what I paid, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. So I guess that's yep. uh, all relative storage fees in my garage. So, um, well, it, well, this is a good, well, some good scores, man. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, all, that's all good, like amazing stuff. So this auction house, those guys, they're like a bunch of cool dudes though, running that place. Right. Like it, it's, guys a fun, are like, it's a fun place. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like, you wouldn't expect like, like it's just kind of an interesting vibe that you get. Right. Like when you walk into that place, like the guys it, that run it, I, I think they're in their twenties or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They seem pretty, but the thing is, I remember walking into that place. I don't know if I told you the story, but the same auction house, we're talking three years ago when I bought a Vic 20 inbox with a whole bunch of accessories. I think I won for like 90 bucks. It was a pretty, felt like a pretty big deal at the time to me. And mm -hmm. I remember going there. This is actually during the peak pandemic times too, for context, but, or at least maybe like, slightly after peak but whatever right but i remember walking in there like and having exactly the same experience that i had just last week when mm -hmm. i went there, where these guys are just like so casual and they're like yeah man no problem dude like fist pump like yeah all right it's all like I was, it's actually kind of hilarious but uh, it was funny though when i went in to pick up all my ataris mm -hmm. um i actually was wearing the one of the t-shirts for the 8-bit files that i made Oh, incidentally yeah. and we he, we got to chatting about it and he was asking me why i was buying so many ataris and i'm like well i this is my jam and stuff like that and we actually have a podcast blah 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 and he was super into nice. it he actually wanted That's to know awesome. more about it all and i told him where to find us and everything like that so maybe he's a listener very now. cool well very cool like i honestly that big 20 is one of my prized possessions um still to this day but my auction finds much thanks to you for tipping me off that this auction was even happening and I definitely got to check out the next one. Uh, in, in addition to a, a small bundle of NES games um, to go along with my new NES, um, which I got at a reasonable price, I picked up a box of a miscellaneous box of joysticks, right? <laughs> which, and honestly, this thing contains uh, actually, I, like, it, it was almost like the gift that kept on giving. Like, you know, when you get that small car and like all these people keep walking out of the car and you keep pulling, like, you know, you know, what I'm about, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Does that make yeah. any sense? Right. Like, when I got this box of joysticks, that he kept pulling things out of it. So I think there are like four sets of Atari paddles. I think wow. six, six, yeah, crazy. A uh, six Atari like CX joysticks, right? I think six, two Wico um you know the this the stick with the ball not the track ball but you know what i'm talking about like the stick with the yeah. red ball on the top of yeah. the stick with the yeah. button on top two of those um a bunch of those a couple of those atari pads like those touch pads yep um, a, a couple of miscellaneous things that i'm still forensically trying to identify what the heck they are <laughs> um but the, the the cream of the crop for me is the three uh, TAC-2, Suncom TAC-2 joysticks, which to me have always been the holy grail of joysticks. Mm -hmm. um, even though like my big hands and stuff these days maybe don't work with it like they did back in the day. Like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like, thing is, but they're beautiful joysticks. And I know they're fairly, pretty much anyone like that remembers joysticks of the era loves these things, right? Um, mm -hmm. These, these TAC-2s. So 
I and and they're it's a it's a pretty penny. Um, I, I wanted to pick one up from eBay and there were very few available. I haven't checked recently, but the last time I checked, you're looking at, you know, what, 30 bucks or 40 bucks, whatever for the, for the, for the unit, then shipping is almost the same. So I know I was looking at like 80 bucks or something like that, like typically to pick up one of these things. And I just couldn't justify it. Um, so I managed to pick up the box of joysticks at a fraction of, of, of the cost. So if we can just find John between you and I about maybe like a thousand more of these boxes of joysticks, <laughs> well, we could resell them and we could probably retire off of cleaning them up and reselling them. So yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a bad deal, but we've got to check out the next auction though, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, it's, it was interesting because this last general auction, like I mentioned, I, I sold a bunch of things that I had. I had a, um, uh, an Odyssey two, one of the, probably the, the first home video game system computer thing. Um, and I, I had a bunch of these little handheld games, like these sort of tabletopy handheldy games. Like I had a, a Coleco electronic quarterback. I had a Merlin, right. one of my right. favorite games when I was a kid. Um, I had an Astro Command and a Super Cobra. Which these are two little, um, uh, I guess, LCD um, mm -hmm. yep. uh, uh, games that had like you know little backlit display and everything like that, and little tiny little joysticks and buttons and stuff like that. But super mm -hmm. fun, and and they all still worked, and you know they went for a decent amount. And nice. Uh, I didn't realize you sold those at the auction. That's cool. Actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't get a lot for them, and I didn't expect no. to, um, no. but. You know, they all need like D cells or C cells and stuff like that too. So, of um, course. But uh, I still have a few more that I just need to find all the boxes for, which might actually go for more uh, at mm -hmm. auction. And the thing is, for me, the the nice thing is, is like this this particular auction house, I, I seem to have pretty good luck with. You you tend to get kind of what a collector would pay for things if they weren't. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's super rare, definitely it goes up because people, you know, they'll, they'll see it and it's, you know, on auction for a couple of days and they just have to Google it to find out what it's worth now. Right. Whereas back in the day, you didn't have that luxury. Most things were either really cheap or really rare and expensive. Uh, but now there's a little bit more of a balance in, at least at the auction side of things, because I could also sell these things on eBay or Craigslist yeah. or, or Facebook marketplace, but there you're not sure what you're going to get. And, That's right. Um, That's right. And it's also the hassle factor too. Here, I just mm -hmm. drop it off, and yeah. then go pick up a check. 100%. Same thing. Same thing with buying this stuff. That I, I found like you know, uh, the other day when I went and got all the Ataris and stuff. I got you know I got four Ataris and a whole bunch of other stuff. Five Ataris actually, if you count the 2600 and the 8 bit computers. You know everything, like 450 bucks. You know so less than a hundred bucks uh, a machine yeah. Uh, yeah. and then a bunch of controllers and other sort of bits and well, pieces. I'll tell you like that Atari um, 800 XL inbox by all accounts in perfect condition yeah. um, that you very, I'm so happy that you were able to get that for me. It's like, to me, it was, like end up paying after the commission and the tax and all that, like a hundred bucks Canadian. Right. Yeah. You know, ish. And honestly, like to me, that's actually, it feels like a steal. I actually feel like I got away with something like, like I, I, I think if you were to, yeah, I, I mean, I feel very grateful for that. I think that was good, a good deal. Yeah. Cause I think, think that machine by itself, maybe even without a power supply or anything would probably be a couple hundred dollars. 
yeah. on yep. eBay at least. Um, but then you're dealing with the shipping and all that other stuff too. So exactly, um, exactly. I, I was just surprised though. Like clearly, some collector, like one of us, yeah. Uh, yeah. either uh, purged their collection or maybe passed on or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. Because there was just, there's usually no shortage of 2600s, but the 8-bit computers are, are fairly rare. rare in my yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So so bucket list, if you see uh, Commodore uh, SX64, that's that portable suitcase, luggable thing. Did you I, see the one I, on Facebook Marketplace? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. The one like $2,200 or something? Yeah, yeah, I did see that and I almost lowballed. Um, but I can't <laughs> imagine paying like... Honestly, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not paying through the roof for that. Like, yeah. look, there's no way, there's no way in hell. Yeah. But, um, but that is on my list. But actually, in, but more realistically, and actually, one of these was in the auction before, and you actually sent me the link, and I remember I was away, um, and I couldn't deal with it. But a Commodore 64C, uh, which I is see. that that I, I really want a 64C for the collection. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm sure that one will pop up again at some point. They did sell quite quite a, a, a large number of those. So that's the kind of thing that I would keep my out for in terms of bucket list stuff. Um, I've already got my tact, my family of tact twos. I can cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> but for you, like, what's on your? Do you have anything on the bucket list, or like, on, like, is um, there like you're really looking for? Well. No, but the thing is, I can be coerced into, into <laughs> adding to the list. I, I um, know. Yeah. I, interestingly yeah. enough, though, and um, fairly recently at the same auction house, which we're mm -hmm. conveniently not naming so that we can <laughs> buy all the good stuff, because um, <laughs> they do ship. <laughs> um, the uh, they had a inbox like opened of course, but uh Vectrex yeah. system with a bunch of games, multiple controllers, yeah. and even the carry bag for it or the oh my disc gosh. cover. And it went for ridiculously little money. Like oh. typically if you have an inbox Vectrex, you're looking at yeah. about 1500 US on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and that's not including the games and the games all came with their, um, some of them even had boxes for the games and yeah. they also had the, um, the the mylar inserts right uh, wow and yeah. and and it went for like 450 bucks and yeah that, yeah, that you know what even i would have considered that <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> like that, yeah if, if i didn't already have all of that stuff except for the mm -hmm. box and the and the carry case i would have considered it and and you know i've been on the fence about getting rid of my my stuff for a while too just you know trying to pare down the collection but uh yeah uh, so it was just really kind of interesting and you know very unexpected in these places because sometimes um, the general auction will actually have better video game stuff than the video game auction does. Yeah, interesting. And because yeah. it's it's sort of at the the la the back of the catalog as far as the um, the general auction goes, yeah. people don't stick around to wait for the yeah. bids. For so they sometimes that stuff goes for pretty low. So that's a tip for you if you have. I mean, it, it seems like everybody has a local auction house or five. Um, get on their mailing list and, and just sort of, yep. even the general auctions, sometimes they'll have like a filter. You can just search by video game. Although I tend to just look at the general auction, all the, all the lots, uh, because sometimes they're not labeled correctly. Like even my Odyssey 2 Magnafox, it was listed as a computer system, but it's actually a video game system. Right. So it gets, yeah. it, it just depends on, on the auctioneer and how they label those things or how the seller labels them for no. sale i hope uh, I, I hope they get an sx64 and they mistake it as like a samsonite uh suitcase and uh, <laughs> i can uh, <laughs> that would be 
<laughs> that would be my dream come true. You, you never know, know. I had there was one for like 450 or something like that. Like it's actually the guy that I bought my 128 from uh a couple of years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago or so. And he's a collector guy, he's involved and he owns he has he has all the British computers as well, like the BBC micros and which oh I've right, owned, yeah. Like I've never never seen like the only time I've ever seen these things in real life, right? Yeah. And uh long story short is it was I think it was around four or five hundred ish, something like that that he was selling it for. You know, that that would have been, you know, meh. That yeah, <laughs> eh, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just enough to make you think twice, as opposed to yeah. an impulse, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> and, that, and that's the problem with these auction sites too is you get caught up in the frenzy. Like, I was worried that um, these Ataris, like I I put the minimum bid on in all of them, not yep. knowing that I would actually get them all. And, and you and I had talked about sort of like the the upper max. Limit, yeah. uh, limit, but I wanted to hedge my bets because sometimes mm. people will sneak in and at the last few minutes and they'll just put a $5 increment up and they'll yeah. steal it from you. And this yeah. particular auction house allows smaller increments. And so you can actually yeah. lose it for 10 cents. And yeah. and the thing is, the, the other thing I noticed that's really frustrating, but also maybe I'm okay with this isn't a live auction in the sense that there's an auctioneer calling it. This is an online mm-hmm. auction. You can go to their to their space and view the lots on a specific day. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, during the auction itself, they're all timed. I think there's like five or 10 minutes between each lot and it's sort of kind of automated. And I remember bidding on, I was bidding on a, a one of those propane fire tables, you know, for your yeah. patio. Yeah. Um, and I was going to get it for a hundred bucks. And so I was winning and there was like three minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds. And then someone else bid on it and it reset right. the clock three minutes oh, yes, to give yeah. me more time yeah. to, 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 yeah. to, to bid it up. Right? That one, yeah. You know, on the one hand, it kind of sucked because I was about to win it. And then someone sort of snaked mm-hmm. me at the last minute, which, you know, is that's auction life. Mm-hmm. But also if this was a real called auction with an auctioneer, would he would, over. he no, well, he would drag it out knowing that there's two parties that are interested, right? Because you're, yeah, you, yes, yes. So, yeah. so I kind of get yeah. that part. But the, the, again, yeah. this particular auction house has a fairly slick and simple system for doing this stuff, yeah. and it works right yeah. on your phone. And there's other auction houses that I that I go to regularly, and their system is clunky. It doesn't work on your phone. You have to literally use a, a desktop computer to 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 do anything with it unless you're there in right. person. And so. But yeah, you get yeah. caught up in the excitement of this stuff. And, and and at one point I was winning all of these Ataris and I was like, okay, well, that's my <laughs> max bid on one Atari, but now I'm going to have four of them. So, Well, I, it's nice. Like as long as you figure out the system and how it works, you can make it work to your advantage too, right? Like, sure. like the yeah. auction system and, and, and you're obviously aware of the, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the nuances, I guess, if you will. So, yeah. and, and I remember you were actually here when I was bidding on those joysticks and, or, that's right. and you know, there's another lot of joysticks that I lost out on, but uh, any, which like, honestly, like, you know, my poor kid, like one day he's going to be like clearing out all these bins of joysticks. Like, why did he have all these? Like, well, at least he knows where to take them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Hey, cause those auction guys are about the same age as him. So <laughs> exactly. they'll still be, they'll still be, they'll still be around. So awesome. 
Well, uh, well, I can't wait to the next auction. I'll be keeping my eye open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the 8-Bit Files. Make sure you visit us at all the usual places on social media and the8bitfiles.com, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and Twitter slash X. X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still worth saying that. Um, and uh, and if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear uh, your comments, your suggestions, your anecdotes. We love the anecdotes from people telling their own versions of our stories uh, mm-hmm. and how they first came across some of these things and um, uh, basically how they uh, first interacted with the devices that we've been talking about. So drop us a note at the files at gmail.com or visit our website and use the feedback form there. Uh, we'd love to hear your stories. Awesome, John. So let's sign off. Uh, I am Dave and you are John. <laughs> All right. We uh, love your feedback and uh, look forward to uh, the next episode. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next time.